Ronaldo is ready. Strikes. The number one trusted source for international football news in the Philadelphia, Delaware Valley region has returned after a multiple month hiatus to bring you a recap of what has happened thus far in the UEFA Champions League as well as a preview of what is to come an update on the Barclays Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, the Bundesliga, Ligue 1, and even a minute on your team, your town, your Philadelphia Union. I'm Russ Joy, at Joy on Broad, joined as always by the fantastic, the man himself, the man, the myth, the legend, Phil Kaidel, who you can find on Twitter, at Phil Kaidel, that's K-E-I-D-E-L, it's not hard to spell, it's Phil Kaidel. Philip, what have you been doing these last few months? I didn't want to speak because I thought maybe you just do the rest of the show in that voice. I could sit and listen because I was enjoying that. What have I been doing? Um, taking care of a lot of pressing matters that didn't involve this microphone and, and these headphones, which were dustier than the Pope's dong, to be honest with you, when I pulled them out of the closet. Um, but we are ready to go. We have a show sheet, and I think we should dive right the hell into it. I absolutely agree. Let's begin with the UEFA Champions League. <clears throat> well, as so, I said uh, to you, so yeah, let's uh, let's start with the Champions League because, mi- of course, uh, uh, my team is gone. My team is dead. Yeah, I, uh, I was going to wait to bring come, that up. Friends, Herman's countrymen, let me hear ears. I come to bury Real Madrid, not to praise them. They did a pretty damn fine job of burying themselves, didn't they? My the good, goodness, the good that Real once did lives after the uh, no. The evil that Real has done lives after them. The good is often turned with their bones. So let it be with Los Blancos. Well, it was definitely yeah, a, a it was, karmic payment, right? I, I mean, after was, the way they it? stole the Champions League title from wow. Liverpool that's, in May. That's a stretch. Uh, the dark arts, elbowing the keeper in the head, all the shenanigans that they pulled off. Um, and now it's... Liverpool's you know, keeper just being absolute garbage. I'm sorry, did I did I gloss over that one? He's not there anymore. Yeah, uh, well. Or at least, uh, you know, he's not playing for them. Well, and you know, um, hey, you know, we'll get to this later in the uh, in the show, but I, I think it's ended up working out pretty well for Liverpool that they uh, they have a new keeper. I think they're they're playing with a uh, renewed sense of purpose after last season's exit. So, you know what? You're welcome, Liverpool. I tell you, you're what, welcome. The way Virgil Van Dyke is playing right now, Joe Hart could be leading Liverpool to the Premier League title. That's how good Van Dyke has been, and that's really how good the players in front of him have been. But we'll get to that. Let's stick to the fact that Real Madrid is no longer going to be the presumptive champion of the Champions League tournament, as they have been so many years in the last half dozen, um, they're out. They're out, which i delighted in. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, it was nice to see them go. Uh, I think it was well-earned. Uh, and I'll, I'll sprinkle a little sugar on all the salt I'm throwing at you. Um, and, and I'm sort of burying the lead, but I'm right at it. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo... Russ, how would he look uh, in the whites for Real Madrid? He used to play for them, right? He did. He did, and they never replaced him. And he's not there anymore. He's not, and they never replaced him. And And so, what's he up to now? Is he still playing? Did he uh, retire? Yeah, you know what? I I, I do believe that he's about to lead, and let's let's not, you know, ruin that part of the show, but yes, he is is well in front. He is leading this Juventus team to yet another uh, Scudetto. They're about to win Serie A once again. And he's leading Juventus to 
you know, the the final eight here. Well, now that, circling back to the Champions League, he's their second leading scorer in Champions League play thus far. Dybala has 10 and he has eight. Yep. So, you know. And he I, had a really rough start to this Champions League campaign as well. So he's he's turned it on late. And of course, you know, I, I don't know if you want to, if you want to, you know, talk about what happened, how Juve got to this point. Um, I, I think we need to finish burying Real for a second, but um, Ronaldo's heroics are something that we're definitely going to talk about. But look, I, I don't mean to sound like like Kyle when he talks about Villanova and how he was so boastful and, and braggadocious throughout the season and said, oh, it's just wait until the tournament hits. Jay Wright's going to get this team straightened out. That, that was never going to happen. I mean, think, think about what Real Madrid had going this year. They started out the season by hiring Julian Lopetegui away from the national team. They stupidly went out and put that news out in public. That led to uh, the firing of Lopetegui from the Spanish national team. It sent the Spanish national team into somewhat of disarray. Um, Solari was brought in, did a pretty decent job of riding the ship, but at no point did he inspire confidence, so much so that the the dressing room had ever really bought into him being a, you know, a long-term manager of this team. And who comes in riding the white horse by the time it's all said and done but the man who walked away from them after last season, after leading Real Madrid to their third consecutive Champions League final and, and victory, and four of the last five uh, were won by the team, three with Zidane as the uh, manager. Zidane not only did the best um, manipulation I've seen outside of, like, you know, House of Cards, but he, he quite frankly, comes out smelling like a rose. And, you know, I, I think if, if there's anybody in international, in international football right now who deserves uh, a, a roaring round of applause at Zenity and Zidane, he knew that at the end of last season, he was faced with a very, um, a very rough outlook of, of what this team was going to be going forward. And you did a really good job of outlining it at the end of last season. I was in denial, but <laughs> you, had, you had said, you know, the team's going to probably have to move on from Ronaldo and, and Bale definitely bail they probably don't want to move on from Ronaldo but they're going to have to start looking to that next chapter and I think the writing was on the wall that this was going to be a rebuilding season I'm still convinced that Real Madrid believed that they were going to be players for Neymar Kelly and Mbappe and I think had France not won the World Cup Mbappe might have been on sale um, from PSG it didn't work out and so what you're looking at now is a, a a year that was essentially lost, but it was a rebuild. We did get to see some young players for Real Madrid put it together. Uh, the team weathered the storm of rumors of Luka Modric moving on to Inter Milan. Um, guys like Marcelo, who had been benched at, at various points in the season by Solari, which was asinine. And guys like uh, Ramos, who were not uh, thrilled at the prospect of Solari being his manager uh, for the remaining future. You know, you look at it now and my God, Zidane looks like a genius because now Florentino Perez, the pre- the uh, president of the club, now has to go out and spend copious amounts of cash to get this team back in contention because, oh, by the way, the man who led the team to three consecutive Champions Leagues is back and the expectations are higher than they've ever been. That's so three, three quick points I want to make here. First of all, you're exactly right about Zidane. Uh, I would say that he pulled a an anti-Mourinho. <laughs> in other words, in terms of engineering an exit and knowing when it was time to go and getting out ahead of it, uh, rather than doing what Mourinho did, which was continue to drive United further and further into irrelevance to the point where the players basically downed tools on Mourinho and they had to clip him. And I mean, Solskjaer has been amazing. We can get to that in a little bit. But so now, you know, I don't know what Mourinho's next gig is going to be. He'll manage again for sure. 
Uh, but in terms of, yes, manufacturing the situation, uh, reading the tea leaves, knowing when to step away with Zidane, and also being willing to come back, right? I'm not sure he knew he was going to come back when he left, but he also knew enough to see that, as you pointed out, he is now the savior. He's the one they're going to rely on to lead them in the new direction. Now, if only Zidane had been listening to this show back in May when I artfully laid out the reasons why Real would be rebuilding and the changes that needed to be made, uh, I think if they had a do-over, they would have done exactly what I told them to do last May, which is get rid of both Ronaldo and Bale at the same time, which you found to be uh, scandalous, scurrilous, crazy. How can you let them both go at the same time? Let me tell you something. Gareth Bale is persona non grata at Real. Like, they would get rid of him happily right now if they could. If they put his head on a nothing. spike, Cersei sure. Lance, like a uh, Joffrey Baratheon style. Like, put, For sure. put Ned Stark's head up there and it's fine. So anyway, that the third point I want to make is, um, again, the Premier League is the best league in the world, and this is why. Real have been hot garbage for months, and they have nothing to play for, and you know they get their La Liga matches left, and that's it. They are 10 points clear of fourth in La Liga right now. If Real Madrid were having the season they're having comparatively in the Premier League, they'd be doing what Arsenal and Chelsea and United were doing in past seasons, which is missing out on Champions League, having to slug it out through the Europa League, possibly losing elite talent to clubs who would still be in the Champions League, and having to reshuffle the deck in a more serious way. This is your classic with Real Madrid. It's not a rebuild, it's a reload. Like, it's like when the Yankees have a bad year, but they still make a wild card. That's essentially what Real Madrid has right now. I don't think Hitafe or Valencia or Sevilla are going to be knocking them off their perch out of third place. And Atletico Madrid is not going to hold second place beyond this season uh, in any meaningful way, I don't believe. So yeah, Zidane will be fine. They'll attract some big talent. They're Real Madrid. They're one of the biggest clubs in the world. I am enjoying, however, seeing how it shook out for them after I sort of predicted that this was going to happen last year. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And here we are. Here we are getting ready to try to lead a show with uh, teams that actually went through it and said we we went on a, a nice little Real uh, sidekick. But we didn't come to praise them. We came to bury them. We buried them. Yes, and we so did. we can go on and, and, and they'll be they'll be back next year. Let's be honest. Sure it, will. It'll, you know, you can have a down year. It's fine. Um Let's return I, to the main I, point. Can I be honest, though? Of, of all the things to happen this season, and I know that we'll get to La Liga later, or we could kind of knock it out now since you already talked about the, uh, the the table, but the fact that Atletico Madrid at full health for the the, the vast majority of the season, um, following, remember the uh, the documentary that Antoine Griezmann did, the uh, La Decision? Right. They did uh, the LeBron James-style doc. Pretty great. Um, they, they're only five points ahead of this Real Madrid team that have been oh, yeah. in a full rebuild. Like, that's insane. And even for Barcelona, who I know ha- had missed some of their stars for extended stretches, for them to only be eight points a- ahead of Atleti, I think is is kind of strange. Like this was this was a year that the league was winnable for a lot of teams, in theory, uh, but nobody stepped up. And Atleti's typically, not going to win ty- typically any league would, scoring forty five goals in thirty league matches. Yeah, that's wow. just not enough scoring, and that's who they are. That's what they do. Every Atletico match, you figure is going to be one zero. Two zero two one. They've that's only all allowed nineteen though in league play. That that is insane. You realize well, sure. that's insane. It is insane. It's wonderful, but it's also dreadfully dull, and it's not the sort of style that's going to attract elite striking talent or uh, ball hogging midfielders. 
to Atletico Madrid. They're going right. to go to the glamour spots, and they're going to go to a place where the, the play is a little more open. Yep. All right, so let's let's get back to the Champions League. So um, let's start Greatest with... league in the world, Premier League. Greatest yeah, see, league see, in I'm the gonna world. Sc- Typically, I'll scoff at that, but I will say that this year, it, it has been nice to see uh, England, you know, step up its game and actually see some of these these teams that, you know, are put up on a pedestal and are in our national consciousness a lot because by virtue of the deal that NBC Sports has with uh, with the EPL. It is nice to see some of these teams advancing, but we'll, we'll get back around to them in a, in a moment. Let's finish up the, the Juve point here. Cristiano Ronaldo in this last round, with everything on the line, knowing that his team was down on aggregate, to, for him to come out like he did and to put up a hat trick in the manner that he did, it was uh, it was something of, of legend. If we're being honest, it's something that, it's the reason that Juventus went out and got Cristiano Ronaldo. If Ronaldo hadn't scored the entirety of the Champions League and those were his first three goals, you would take that. If those are the only three goals that he scores going through this tournament, uh, it would be it would be bad going forward, but like it's all worth it. It doesn't matter what money you had to pay this man. That is the kind of performance that you could not have gotten out of like Gonzalo Higuain, right? That is why you went out and got Cristiano Ronaldo. He steps up on the biggest stages of the Champions League, everything on the line, back against the wall, and he's he pretty much single handedly carried them through to this round. So, you know, we talked about this at the end of last season, and I think we might have even previewed it the last time we did a show in uh, December. But, like, Serie A is a slower league. We knew that Ronaldo was losing a step. And by going to a much slower league in Serie A, with the ex- exception of, like, the Napolis of the world who play at breakneck speeds, it, it was a smart career move for him, and it, it continues to pay off. It was a brilliant job between the player and the club to find each other and to make this work. Because uh, while Real is, you know, drowning themselves in the fact that they were never able to replace him... Juventus continues to put out a world-class lineup regardless of who's there. And, oh, oh, by the way, they went out and got probably the best performer in Champions League history. They're dangerous going forward. Yeah, I was going to say we're going to make some picks, I hope, uh, in terms of who's going to survive out of the final eight in the Champions League. Uh, And I absolutely concur. In fact, I think I've made the point previously that Ronaldo was very bright to leave La Liga when he did and go uh, to Serie A because if he'd lost half a step if he goes to a league that's a step slower he's still ahead and that's what it looks like i mean but i can say that all i like the champions league is not a step slower than anybody and in the situation where he needed to produce a hat trick and did it was one of those deals where the great players make it first of all look easy but secondly the ball seems to follow them around it's the damnedest thing now i know that the teammates are trying to get it to them and and i know that they have a nose for the ball inherently but We've seen plenty of situations as Philadelphia sports fans where allegedly great athletes shrink in big spots or fail when they get the opportunities. That doesn't happen with Ronaldo. It just doesn't happen, and it's not going to happen. Like, Juve are legitimately dangerous in this Champions League tournament, which I would not have said about them in any of the last three or four years, even though they were always in it and always competitive and um, you know made some waves. But this season... You can't take your eyes off them. And the other point I want to make real quickly is Ronaldo's move out of La Liga actually almost more easily allowed him to go tit for tat with Messi. It almost feels to me these days, because we're going to talk about Messi too, they're both doing, continuing to do remarkable, incredible news-making things. And it's almost a game of can you top this 
which they've been doing to each other for the better part of, what, 15 years or something like that? It's amazing that they're still able to do it at this level, um, but they totally are. I mean, any given day when you're watching the World Football Highlight shows, one of these guys is doing something insane. And I still, I think after all this time, they're still driving each other, which is really fun to watch. I agree. I agree. I've got nothing else. Well, then let's talk about who's left. So you have Manchester United, who is remarkably still in this tournament after knocking out PSG. And who's who's shocked to know that PSG came up small in a big spot? Um, uh, let's have a moment of silence for anybody who actually <laughs> thought that this was going to be PSG's year. I tell you what. And I said a moment of, of silence, Phil. Jeez. Sorry. Thank you. There's okay. your moment. Yeah, it's stunning, honestly, when you look at the array of talent that Paris Saint-Germain has, and they just continue to shoot themselves in both feet and then hand the gun to a friend so they can shoot them in the chest every single year. Um, and they did it again. Uh, you got to have give United a lot of credit. I hate to say that as a City fan, but even though I loathe United, uh, I had nothing but respect and took a great deal of joy in them knocking PSG out of the tournament. Because among other things, as a City supporter, I'm thinking this could be City's year to win the thing. And PSG, if they ever got their act together, had enough raw talent to be dangerous. Uh, and when a, let's face it, a lower seed like United knocks out a top seed like PSG, just like we saw in the NCAA tournament, that's only good news for the other good teams that are still left in the draw. So good for United. I have good news and bad news for United, though. Uh, they get Barcelona in the quarterfinal. Um, so it's been nice seeing them. Uh, we, we will wish them well. Uh, but I don't really see a way through for United past Barcelona. Would you like to take United that, in that draw? Is that just the City fan in you talking? No, it really isn't. Um, look, United have a lot of good individual talents and one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world. But Pep Guardiola recently said that they asked him who was favored in the Champions League, and Pep answered the question with a question, who does Messi play for? It was rhetorical, obviously. As long as Messi's on Barcelona, and as long as Barcelona's in the draw, Barcelona's favored. So, especially against a team like United, who, frankly, probably didn't... They deserve to get past PSG, but it wasn't expected, and it took a remarkable performance by United to make that happen. They're not likely to overachieve twice in a row. And that's not me being a United hater or a City supporter. That's just me being you know, cold-blooded and analytical. I don't think Barcelona, with their history and track record in this tournament is going to go and lose to United. If anything, they're likely to go to United in the first leg and win 2-1, 3-1, something like that, and make the task essentially impossible for United. There's a really weird Ole effect that's going on since he's been hired as the manager, though, right? And, like, what was it? The pa- It was uh, last week that the announcement went official that he's the permanent manager, right? That he, he lost the interim tag. That's right. And he, what do they, what do they call him? The permanent caretaker of the club? I love the wording of it. Um, it's almost as if like they're sending, I don't know what this, this is going to sound awful. It's almost like they're sending the, uh, the club to hospice or something like this person is supposed to like take care of the estate knowing that it's, it's all going down. But like, no, we're, we're not there. I, I, I find this whole thing to be kind of fascinating. You, you think about the change of a manager and, and the way that it can not only, not only the way that it can start up a club, but the way that it, it shocks them back to life. And what United has done under this manager has been pretty remarkable. And I'm not so sure that in the past, 
you would have seen this United team come back like they did to get through to this round. I think we would have seen them out in the group stage. Um, and I, I can't say for sure that they have a chance against Barcelona, but I think it's hard to to root against them at this point. Like I Now, this, I can admit, is the, the Real homer in me. I don't necessarily want to see Barcelona get through. I would like to see Messi step up and deliver for his team. Like, I want to see Ronaldo versus Messi in the final. And the way that the bracket is set up, you could have a Juventus and Barcelona final. And ultimately, that's what I'm going to root for. Because I still want to see the two best players in the world going head-to-head. And when it all matters, when it, it comes down to the final of this tournament, I want Messi and Ronaldo. Would I like to see United keep it competitive? Absolutely. Do I think that United has a chance to win at Old Trafford? Yes. Do I think they have a chance to win at Camp Nou? No, I don't. And I think ultimately at Camp Nou, you're going to probably see Barca put up five goals. And I just don't think that ultimately United's going to be able to keep up. I think that's going to be the, the story of this, uh, this tie. Probably. Going to your point about Solskjaer, um, there are two things that happened when he took over. First of all, the players stopped, stopped trying, which I know is a double negative. Just go with me. They actually started to give a damn again and put forth a legitimate effort because they were absolutely begging the ownership to fire Mourinho. And they were quitting. They were jogging. They were not trying. They were not giving professional efforts. And, you know, they would deny it uh, to my face if I said it, but I would continue to say it because I could look at the video and show them the places where they were jogging and not trying. So... Once Solskjaer got that group of players with that much talent to just give a median average effort, they became a much better club than they were under Mourinho. But then what happened was Solskjaer said, well, I have absolutely nothing to lose here. Like, if everything goes wrong and we continue to get pasted 4-1 and 3-0 and 2-1 and all this stuff, I can all blame it all on Mourinho. It's not my problem. We'll fix it in the transfer window. Or I won't have the job and it won't be my problem anyway. So what he did was he said, uh, tell you what, Marcus Rashford, why don't you run forward a while and see what happens? Same with Jesse Lingard. Um, same with Paul Pogba. Don't worry so much about the tracking back piece. You go and create. And by the way, we have like one of the world's best goalkeepers behind you. So if mistakes are made and the ball gets turned over, he'll probably bail us out anyway. And the damnedest thing happened. United started scoring goals. And as I say, goals change games. Once United started scoring goals again and getting one and two goal leads that they could hold on to, especially in the Premier League, everything changed. Teams all of a sudden gave them the respect that their talent demanded and stopped playing into them the way they were when Mourinho had them playing nine men behind the center line. So that's where we are with United right now. As a City fan, I would love to see them beat Barcelona because, again, I think it means good things for City if Barcelona are out of the draw. Uh, however, I really enjoyed the Mourinho era at United. It was fun. Yeah, it's good they were terrible. It's good. Yeah, it's good for City, pretty much anybody else in the league. Yeah, City were kicking them in the ribs left and right, and United were pooping all over themselves against terrible teams. And you could laugh about it while City was taking care of business over here. Now, all of a sudden, you look at United, they're dangerous again, not in the near near term but given two transfer windows and if Solskjaer doesn't turn out to be a complete fraud now United are right back in the top three mix again that's not good for me it's good for the neutrals and it's good for the quality of the league and for people who care about the history of the Premier League it is but for me as a Sydney supporter it's a damn shame I really enjoyed it when United was terrible they're not terrible anymore no you're right 
Speaking of City, they beat Schalke 10-2 on aggregate. 10-2. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do in a Champions League, but they Schalke's found a way. Not, Schalke's not having a good year, man. No, it's not a good Schalke side. And look, they only won 3-2 at Schalke, and they had to come back from 2-1 down to do it. Um, but, you know, you can say Schalke's not having a good season, but how do you lose 7-0 at the Etihad in a Champions League uh, well, round of 16 match? Phil, Schalke, although they're typically a respectable club, they're 14th out of 18 teams in the Bundesliga. They've got a minus 16 goal differential this season. It it has been a very bad year for Schalke. I still can't figure out how they held them a 3-2 then over there. I know. Uh, it's this is like one of those times where I I get frustrated with the way that the Champions League is set up. I understand that it's all based on the previous season, and there's really not a way to reward teams based on their hot play in the first half of like this season. But this is like one of those problems where it's like Schalke does not belong in the same conversation as a Barcelona, as a City, as a Liverpool, as a Juve. They just don't. And based on their form within their own domestic league, they they just continue to look outclassed. And so the the Schalke result was not shocking. And especially because they were going up against an absolutely star-studded city team that has probably the best manager remaining in the tournament. Uh like none of this is surprising to me. I don't know. You can keep talking about City and talking about how great they are, but we'll we'll do more of that later hopefully. Um Liverpool had Bayern Munich. They drew with them at Anfield, looked like they're absolutely scorched and done. And then Liverpool went to Germany and knocked Bayern Munich out of the tournament 3-1 at the Allianz, which was another what-the-hell-just-happened situation. Uh, but further burnishes my argument. It's the greatest league in the world right now. Um, and we haven't talked a lot, a lot about Liverpool yet, although I did mention how great Van Dijk is, and I, I'll stand by that. Um, Jurgen Klopp de- deserves a lot of credit. And I took shots at him in, on this show in the past that I thought he— I never called him a clown— I thought he had clown tendencies. Um, but look, the results he is delivering for Liverpool, uh, both in the Champions League and in the Premier League, uh, are not to be uh, scoffed at. Now, he did a brilliant thing, which was find his way out of both the League Cup and FA Cup tournaments on the early side, thereby creating not so much of a scheduling glut that Guardiola has to deal with on a common basis. I, I think I heard tell today that City are playing nine matches in 30 days right now, which is a ton of football to be playing for a team that is just starting a season. But you're talking about a City side that's been at this full bore since August, and now it's April 3rd, and they're going to play nine matches in 30 days going into May? Holy hell. Um, Klopp doesn't have to deal with that. His only focuses are the Premier League and the Champions League. Now, all that being said, he's doing an amazing job. All right, Liverpool have accrued a ton of points. In a regular, normal year, Liverpool's point total this part of the Premier League season would probably usually get them a six- to seven-point lead, lead at the top of the table. They're one back because City are that, that good. Um, but yes, That's because Liverpool of, fell off. I mean, uh, look, well, they look, drew a lot of matches. That was the problem. They didn't lose the a lot. Yep, they, they, they just kept. They just had, had ground. They kept allowing for ground to be made up on them by City. It was a death by a thousand cuts. They, they would yep. lose two points here, um, and then they'd win, and then they'd lose another two points, and then they'd win. And it didn't look bad because they were on an unbeaten streak. But, man, those draws are murderous because, as we know, the, the win is the, the extra two points in the sauce. And that's how City caught up. City have won two more matches in the league, and that's why they have a one-point lead in the table. But going back to their uh, Champions League uh, fate, 
Liverpool got the softest possible quarterfinal draw in Porto. I don't think anybody can argue with that. It was almost UEFA's way of apologizing for what happened in that final last year. Um, but that being said, they also got Bayern in the first round. So they were probably due a break in terms of the, you know, the balls bouncing around in the hopper. Yep. Let's go to the, the draw you love the most. Because, look, we've already talked a ton about Manchester City. City got Tottenham. Um, I don't think there's a way out of this for Tottenham Hotspur. I really don't. Um, I think if you gave City a choice of the Premier League teams, if they had to face a Premier League team in the in the round of eight, they would have chosen Tottenham. They would have no part of Liverpool. And the United thing is just so fraught with uh, history and import uh, in terms of it being an inner city clash that they wouldn't want that. Spurs is comfortable for them. They have a reasonably good record against Spurs this year. They beat them at Wembley early this season. Uh, Spurs are going to have to get used to that new stadium, although they christened it with a win today. Um, I don't think Spurs has enough uh, talent and enough you know, wherewithal, really, to hold City out over two legs. So let's go to the tie you want to talk about, I'm sure, which is Ajax and Juventus. How, why, Tell me more about that. Why would, why would you just gloss over? I, I had a lot to say about City. Well, then Tottenham. go ahead. I talk about City all the time. I want to hear what you have to say. Tottenham's a damn joke. I don't get Tottenham. I, I've never understood Tottenham. I've never understood the Tottenham fans. It's like if if you want to have a team that's going to continue to get your hopes up every season that they're going to somehow crack into the top two or maybe have a chance to win the league, but then they ultimately just let you down, it's Tottenham. I, I just don't get it. I don't get Harry Kane. I don't get Pochettino. I don't understand how he's still managing there. I don't understand how... Tottenham continues to allow every season. It's like, will he, won't he leave? I, I don't get it. I just don't understand the, 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 the drawing power that Tottenham seems to have with people. I just don't get it. They're, the funniest... to, to me, they're a nonsense team. They're a team that just happens to like have decent stretches of, of play. They accrue points, and ultimately they never have a shot. This is like the, the mid-2000s Philadelphia Eagles. They're good they're really good. They get close and they never succeed. They never finish the job. And they really rarely ever get to the final week. That's what Tottenham is. And if yeah. you like that, that's fine. If you want to have a team that's competitive, that's always going to finish towards the top of the table, by all means, root for Tottenham. But to me, they're never a contender. They'll never be a contender. And I don't care about them. And so, like, City should absolutely roll them. And, you know, I think Guardiola is going to do a good enough job of, you know, planning against this Tottenham team. I just don't think there's much of a chance. I don't think this is really a, a fixture. A lot of people said that Porto's the worst team remaining. I could make a, a, a real case that Tottenham's not that good. I don't think Tottenham's all that much better than Porto. And you know why, Phil? Because I just don't think they're that great. I don't. And I don't think ultimately they're going to have the guys who are going to be able to go out. And if this thing is at like 1-1 on aggregate and they're down at home, and they need to score a goal to put themselves through, I don't see it. And if they're on the road, they're certainly not going to break through. I just don't think they have the mental fortitude. I don't think they have the, the intestinal fortitude, the testicular fortitude, if you want to go back to WWF terms. Like, I, I just don't see it. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're good. I think they're just like a team. They're just there. They're a filler. They're a Porto. They're an Ajax. Like, I don't care. All right, may I be heard about this? Sure. It pains me to defend Tottenham Hotspur because I really don't care Don't even bother. Them. Well, no, I'll do it quickly. You really dumped on Harry Kane for no reason. Harry Kane's a prolific scorer and a great talent and a wonderful player and a player who, frankly, Real Madrid could use the hell out of, to be honest with you. And, you know, you might laugh at that, but I think if you gave Real Madrid the chance, Real Madrid the chance to jump in 
and claim Harry Kane from Spurs. They would probably get on that because he puts the ball in the net. That's something Madrid needs right now. You got him. You got Youngman's son, who is unbelievable if you ever watch him play. He just never stops running, never stops getting up, and never stops making things happen. Christian Eriksen is special on his day. Now, the problem is there aren't enough of those days. But when he's on, he's really, really good. And you can say the same for Dele Alli. What you fear as a City fan is that all four of those guys have their day at the same time, and they manage to put three on you, and you lose 3-1, and now you got a problem. The truth, though, is I agree with you ultimately. Um, Spurs lacks real difference makers in midfield, which is something that City has. And their defense is not very good. <laughs> it's just not very good. And Lloris is a, you know, howler machine these days. Um, inc- not including, but not limited to their loss to Liverpool over the weekend. So yeah, um, Spurs' only chance is to turn this into uh, a UNLV basketball game from the 1990s, where they just run and gun. Um, I don't see Guardiola allowing that to happen. Uh, and I do think City will go through. The funniest thing I saw today, though, apparently, um, with the opening of Spurs' new stadium, uh, there's a time capsule that's being buried on the site somewhere. And Lee Dixon, who's a former Arsenal man on Twitter, uh, noted that he couldn't quite figure out what they could possibly be putting in the time capsule of Tottenham, and he put a, a gif of tumbleweeds rolling through the desert. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> I the hopes, really, the hopes and dreams of Really fans. great. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, just, what, what are they going to put in there? Exactly. The, the year they finish second in the league? Like, who cares? Yep. A little bit but, of Harry Kane's uh, hair gel. Now, mind you, I'm going to crap all over Harry Kane, but if and when he ends up moving to Real Madrid, he's going to be my favorite player ever. But, like, for now, he's just some trash guy on some trash team that I don't care about. Pretty much. I think it's fair. No, I know. What I, do you think I, the aggregate score is going to be? Let's let's uh let's throw it on a wager. City Spurs. Yeah. Uh I'll say I'll go five two City. That's really generous. Oh, I don't think it is. I don't think City City's not gonna hang ten on Tottenham like they did Schalke. Schalke's terrible. This is gonna go like eight three. I don't know. If, if Tottenham City gets three, I'll be amazed. City in the last two matches in the league scored two against Fulham and two against Cardiff, two of the worst teams in league recent history they played down to their competition it's fine well and they started strolling once those teams stopped playing but it's still in all aguero is carrying a knock right now though i think by the time the champions league matches roll around he'll be fine like he always is um i think anything more than five go ahead and say six two if you want anything beyond that if you really believe it you should bet on it because the odds will be really good all right i might have to throw down a uh, a few bucks eight three eight three on aggregate Mark right, it well, down. Let's, let's see if, if you're Tottenham right. If Tottenham somehow comes back and wins this whole thing, I might eat a shoe. I won't, but I should. Well, we all anyway. will, because I've already buried them, too. I mean, I, I don't give them even half a chance to get through this. Who do you want to move on to next? Ajax Juventus. That's Ugh. the one that we need to be um, emphasizing. Ugh. Ajax was unbelievable in the round of 16. I mean, they played great. They were fast. They were potent. Uh, they were young. And, you know, the running joke all over Twitter and, and on every uh, pundit show was uh, just wait until Manchester City and Real Madrid and Barcelona get a load of these tapes of Ajax playing in this round because <laughs> they're going to be diving in with all their cash and taking all these players. It's going to be a shame to see this team dismantled in 18 months. But that's kind of what I saw. Um, Ajax was terrific. And now you have Juventus whose plan is going to be to try to slow them down and try and make them play at their pace. And it's the KG veterans like Manzukic and Ronaldo 
trying to keep these youngins at Ajax from knocking them out of the tournament. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I don't really think Ajax can beat them, but I didn't think Ajax get, would get this far. So what the hell do I know? Um, I don't know. If we asked your wife, what would she say? Um, she would say that she doesn't watch a lot of Ajax. Um, no. I'm not. She would say, what, what do you know? <laughs> Very good. Come That's on, a fair man. Jeez. I thought you were going for like Come an Ajax on. joke. No. Like, no, you know which which kitchen cleaner to use, which is very hey. sexist and very inappropriate. There we go. So here's the thing: Ajax is uh, is an interesting club. To your point, they played quick, they played youthful, they were they were kind of like um, I don't know. It, it's like if if you go into a tournament and everybody knows it's it's like watching March Madness, right? It's like watching a, a like a 14 seed take on a, a favorite in the in the uh, tournament, right? It's like watching a Cinderella move on. They've got nothing to lose. They can play balls to the wall. And ultimately, there's there's nothing that they really have to fear. And what we saw in, in their tie against uh, Real Madrid is Madrid was just kind of... I think that they were, they were thinking that the moment was going to be too big for Ajax. And they kind of rested on their laurels. They played down to their competition in a sense. I mean, Ajax doesn't have the top-end talent that even in a down year Real Madrid has, right? Like... Ajax's best player doesn't even come close to being like a Luka Modric, right? No, right. So, um, I think this is this is like if if nothing else, Real Madrid kind of helps Ronaldo because now Juve knows what they're what they can expect from Ajax. They know what this team's going to look like. Now, the thing that that obviously Juve has going for it is a ton of experience. I mean, when you've got Chiellini and Benucci uh, on the on the back line, you've got like like uh, Pjanic and and Matuidi who have played uh, in different leagues and who have uh, you know proven that they can be solid defensive players either in the back line or as, uh, you know, holding mids. I know the Matuidi's been playing up a, a little bit. Um, I, I just don't see a way that Ajax is going to be able to break this Juve team apart the way that uh, they were able to break down Real Madrid. And and I think the thing that ultimately killed Real was the lack of finishing. Well, you don't have that lack of finishing, um, you know, when, when you've got Cristiano Ronaldo lining up across from you, right? And it when was you've also got... the fact Dusan Tadic played the match of his life in that match yep. against Real Madrid. Uh, he was unbelievable. I, I had seen him play in the Premier League, and I thought he was good. He wasn't that good. Um, again, game of his life, good for him. Doubt that it's able to be replicated in this next round, but maybe it'll prove me wrong. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I see I see no way that, that they're going to be able to go through. And, like, think about it. Like, seriously, this is why I keep coming back to, like, the finishing, right? Like, the depth that Juve has up front, say Ronaldo has a bad day. Who do you replace him with? Paulo Dybala. Yeah, he's the, pretty good. The guy, well, he's pretty good. He wasn't good enough to play in the World Cup because, you know, their manager was an absolute genius. I liked I his sweaters, that. his uh, skin-tight sweaters and everything. But in fairness, like, this, this team is is deep they're experienced they're they're battle tested they're not going to let Ajax beat them I think Ajax is going to have a lot of fun I think Ajax is going to probably at times play recklessly to try to get out maybe they maybe they try to go in the first match they just try to lay it all out there get an early lead and start to put some pressure on Juve or maybe they just bunker for the entire first match and and they play for the second match and the idea that at some point they're going to try to play counter I don't know I don't know how it's going to play out but I think ultimately Juve is going to win because I just think it's it's hard to knock off two teams that are that battle-tested uh, like Real and Juve were. Um, there was an interesting thing that happened with Juve. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I was going to mention it. Oh, you were? All right, go ahead. About Moise, no, about Moise Keane? Yeah, then I'll let you lead it. Go ahead. Sure. Well, 
I was going to mention that if, heaven forbid, Ronaldo wasn't able to go, uh, and oh, by the way, in the last 10 hours, um, the media have flipped the script, and uh, apparently Ronaldo's been, uh, you know, had hands laid upon him uh, and fixed him because he's going to play. You know, two days ago, the narrative was he wasn't going to make at least the first part of this Ajax tie, and now he is going to play. But over the weekend, as a result of Ronaldo carrying a bit of a knock, they started a young man named Moise Keane. Uh, would you like to guess when Moise Keane was born, Russ? Um, February 28, 2000. 2000. Ooh, on the dot. February 28, 2000. If That's you rough. you feel old, cover sports for a living. That is rough. Because the athletes just keep getting younger. Um, amazing. 19 years old, uh, Italian striker, uh, person of color, and goes to Cagliari and scores and shows himself to the crowd in a very positive, happy, thrilled way, because why wouldn't he be thrilled? He stepped into the shoes of the great Ronaldo and scored and helped carry his team to victory. And what was his reward for that, Russ? Uh, racist chance. Racist abuse. Thank you, Italy, for continuing in 2019 to prove the very worst about the European soccer football fan. Well, Cagliari... Um, Cagliari is uh, just like most other Italian clubs. They have a segment of the fan base who are overtly racist, uh, chant things at players that never should be chanted at anyone or said to anyone. Um, I did find that some of the comments after the game were were kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. I saw um, that too. You know, Blaise Matuidi was one of the guys, uh, another uh, player of color who had come out and was incensed on the pitch um, in the faces of the referees for, you know, trying to get them to address what was happening. And this this comes back to the whole issue of, like, when there is racial abuse of a player on the pitch, like, what are you supposed to do if you're the ref? Are you supposed to suspend the game until those those uh, fans are removed? Uh, I, I don't know how you go about doing it. And if you do that kind of thing, doesn't that end up drawing more attention to what they're saying? You know, I'm not saying that you're supposed to ignore it, but if you draw all this attention to it, I don't know I don't know what the what the right move in that situation is. I have always liked closed stadiums in future matches and that's fine always but for future matches but i'm saying like in the moment it's happening if you're the official like like what do you do do you suspend the match until those till like that section of fans is removed no you can't do that you can't um, that's what you i'm have saying to let like, it play it's... out but <laughs> here again i've always talked about professional golf um slow play is the biggest scourge in professional golf i'm not trying to equate slow play with racism please don't yell at me i'm just trying to make a a metaphor here just run with it so slow play is a thing they can't seem to get rid of because golfers just take their time and, and the rounds take forever and there are penalties in place that would fix slow play tomorrow which is adding scores adding shots to player scores in other words if you take too long to play a hole instead of a four on the hole you make a five the minute they started adding strokes to player scores the players would play fast period end of discussion but what they do is they find them like five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars and nothing ever happens i feel like there are also measures that the leagues could take against these clubs who don't crack down on habitually horrible behavior from their own supporters, but the leagues fear or refuse to put those sorts of restraints and punishments on the clubs for reasons I don't know why, and as a result, nothing ever gets fixed. Closed stadiums is one, um, but... You know, if we have VAR for poor officiating decisions, we could certainly afford more cameras to watch fan behavior. And we could certainly afford, you know, 
private investigators roaming the stands to see what's going on, uh, you know, incognito. There's plenty of goddamn money to fix this. It's just a question of, is anyone going to step up and say, we're not doing this anymore. We're not accepting it. It's going to be fixed. And if it's not going to be fixed, there are going to be significant penalties, including but not limited to, along the golf lines, deducting points from your league total if you're not willing to fix what's going on in the stands in your own freaking stadium. And I almost F-bomb, which is inappropriate. We have, kid, we have kids listening. This matters to some of these clubs. If if you're in a if you're 16th place in a 20 team league and you're three points clear of relegation, and you get zipped with a five point penalty because some jackass throws a banana at a player of color from the other team, which has that happened, matters. That's not hyperbole. That matters, and it should happen, but nobody has the balls to pull that trigger. And until somebody actually steps up and says this is the line, enough of this. We are showing the red card to racism. It's it's well intended, but it's not working. Yeah. More significant, harder lines need to be drawn and more harsh punishments need to be levied or it's never going to get fixed. So what I was kind of referring to a little bit ago, so uh, Leonardo Benucci had said after the game that um, he's he is a teammate of Keane. Right. And said that um, in his mind, <laughs> Keane should take about, it was like a 50-50 split of who was to blame. Because Keane, after celebrating uh, or after scoring a goal, celebrated by standing with his arms out, just kind of like a "What's up?" at the uh, the Cagliari fans, and uh, he said Keane knows that when he scores a goal, he has to focus on celebrating with his teammates. He knows he could have done something differently. There were racist cheers after the goal. Blaze Matuidi heard it and was angry. I think the blame is fifty fifty. Uh, Moise should not have done that. The Curva should not have reacted that way. That's I mean, that is the equivalent of saying there are good people on both sides. Oh, it's even worse than that. It's the equivalent of saying, I mean, you saw what she was wearing, right? And she was asking for it. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Um, that was a disgrace. Benucci should have been fined, suspended. I don't know what. Um, it was terrible, and he walked it back a little bit after the fact when his people and his public relations folks and probably some people at the club said you need to fix this because it's terrible what you said. He walked it back some. It's not enough. The fact is. In the heat of the moment, which, of course, was his defense. In the heat of the moment, they asked me the question, and I gave them the answer that popped in my head without thinking about it. Guess what? There's truth in that. I mean, that's that was his unvarnished, unconsidered response, blaming the kid, blaming the player, and not blaming the animals in the stands who racially abused this young man. It's a terrible thing. Yep. Anyway, I'm going to stop. Even, even the manager. I mean, Allegri, after it, even said that while the fans from the Curva who did it were idiots— he did say that Keane shouldn't have celebrated that way and that you need great intelligence to deal with these situations and shouldn't provoke people. Like, I'm sorry. That's that's insane. It's just not no, okay. No, it's not like, just insane. It's terrible and, and it's retrograde and it's, you know, it's, it's still 1925 there apparently. Yep. 1825. I don't know. It's a, it's a shame. We should move forward. So anyway, let's uh, let's finish off. We I think we've done our picks. Have we done our picks? Well, I, did, I will tell you mine right now and you tell me if you have any disagreement. I like Barcelona. I already said that. I think City beats Tottenham. I love Liverpool, um, not in the way of hoping that they win, but I love them to win. I think they're going to take care of Porto pretty easily. And I can't pick against Juventus. They're, Juventus is in the range now where I'm picking against them until they lose. I don't feel that way about, about Liverpool necessarily. I don't even really feel that way about Barcelona, even though I made that point earlier about uh, Guardiola saying that as long as Messi's in the tournament, they're the favorites. Barcelona is excellent, but they're not like without flaws um and Juventus has flaws too but 
with Ronaldo in the form he's in and the talent around him and the, and the manner of play that Juventus brings to the final eight, the final four, and possibly a final where they will probably dictate terms. Uh, I'm picking Juventus as long as they're still in the tournament, even if it's against City. You have to. You're a smart man. Um, I will also agree with you on City, Liverpool, and Juve. I feel like I kind of have to take United then, don't I? We can't agree on all four. No, it's I agree with fun. you. And not only that, you made some excellent points. And you also tapped into something I said, which is that of all the clubs left in this, I would say United has the least to lose. Um, their performance in the Champions League to this point is something that they will be pinning this transfer window in the summer and next season's efforts on. Uh, it's a real thing. Now, there is an open question as to whether United will make the Champions League next year, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. But for now, they really don't have a lot to lose. And as long as you have Paul Pogba and as long as you have De Gea, you have a chance. Barcelona is going to win. But I would not be surprised if United keeps it close. I guess we're going to have to agree on all four. I hate this. Well, it's But chalk. like I said before, I want I want Messi and Ronaldo in the final because I just think it would be great. Listen, to a, to a real degree, we got lucky in that City and Liverpool didn't draw each other again. City and Barcelona didn't draw each other. Juventus and Liverpool didn't draw each other. Um, we could say it's lucky. We could also say that UEFA handpicked these. They <laughs> would never draws do such a thing, Phil. Come on now. To make sure that the Final Four would be the strongest one possible. That's not out of the question. Uh, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Uh, let's get a couple of the, the leagues that are already out of uh, contention done before we focus on our, our next big thing. Uh, league on PSG's up by 20 points. It's it's over. It doesn't matter, though, because they choked away again in the Champions League. They're not one of the final eight teams. United toppled them. It was a uh, it was a disgrace, quite frankly. And, if you're uh, killing Mbappe, how long do you stay there? That's the problem. See, this is the thing. I think Real is going to have to be a player for him, right? I think pretty much any club in Europe is going to have to be a player for Mbappe. But part of the problem is... If you're PSG, he's the most marketable French player in the world right now. He's yep. also the youngest of, of real note. So the idea of transferring him away doesn't make sense, I don't think. Um, if you're Mbappe and, and you just want to play at home and you want to play in France, like I don't blame him if he wants to stay. They're still going to continue to go out and spend money. They have a Qatari, yeah, Qatari ownership that's... You know, got the probably some of the deepest pockets in in all of uh, international football. So, like, I I get that, but I I don't know, man. I think if I'm Mbappe, maybe I give it one more season just to see how they can fortify this. But like, you know, they didn't have Neymar. You know, if if that well, maybe, that's what I'm about to say. You know, what maybe maybe goes? that's maybe that's the part of this that if you're killing Mbappe, you sit down and you say, you know what, maybe if we had Neymar, we would have been able to finish that job, and like maybe next year we'll have a better shot. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's it's one season max. Because after that, like, you've got to start thinking, like, they're, they're at some point, I think we said this about Tottenham before, but, like, at some point, you are what you are. You are what your club, what your club history says you are. And the, the recent history of PSG is that they're choke artists in the Champions League. And if you're Mbappe and you have the potential to move on to, like, you know, say, this is not a thing, but say City were to get involved, or say Liverpool were to get involved, or Real Madrid, or Barcelona, you're going to tell me that you're going to you're going to shoot down going to those teams or at least entertaining that? You'd be out of your mind. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with them. I'm, but Ligon is is over. It was a uh, a woeful year. I think we even said going into this, like it could be a two-horse race potentially for a while, but ultimately PSG is going to finish in first. And, and quite frankly, it's a meaningless season because, again, they choked. 
in the Champions League. Wouldn't be much fun following Ligue 1, would it? No. And it's also hard to follow them because, you know, with BN Sports being dropped by a lot of major cable providers and the fact that BN Sports isn't carried by a lot of the streaming services, you don't have much of a choice. You know, like it's it's so hard to follow them. So it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You either have to go get like Fubo or you have to get Sling. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I cut the cord, but I'm on YouTube TV now, so I don't even get BN anymore. For me to get my La Liga stuff... That's hard enough, but at least that's something that's worth going after. You really think that I'm going to want to keep up with everything that's going on in League Un and like pay the extra $30 out of pocket or whatever every month to renew a subscription service that I don't want? Like Fubo? I'm... More like Fubar, am I right? Oh, look at you. Now, would Neymar push his way out of PSG at 27 years of age? Yes, I expect it. That's what I'm thinking, right? And I know he was an enormous transfer from Barcelona to PSG in 2017, world record setting, all this nonsense. Um, he's got to be looking at the clock and thinking, you know, I keep losing chunks of time to injury and I've gone from being the starlet darling the way Mbappe is now to being kind of a disappointment. <laughs> I'm sorry it's to say kind it. kind of. He is a disappointment. And so the time is ticking against him to reclaim his spot on the world stage. I'm not even sure it's there anymore for him, but... I don't think he's going to get it back playing at PSG unless they make a run in the Champions League. But there's only one or two of more of those left for him at PSG until he ages out of being an elite player. Again, the guy's only 5'9". He's already 27. He's now carrying kind of a, an injury history that suggests that he's a little brittle. I'm not sure he should be spending the rest of his career that is meaningful in France. I don't think it makes sense at all. I agree with you 100%. I think that's much. that's going to be the show. that's going to be a, a real problem though. Like when when we talk about Mbappe and even when we talk about Neymar, like just conceptually, like th- those guys are going to have to be on the same page. Because if they're not, like imagine if you're Mbappe and you commit because it's all based around we want to see how this goes with another year of having Neymar around and trying to pursue titles with him and and go through the Champions League with him, and then Neymar bails on you. Like imagine how awful that would be. So I I don't know. I feel like they're going to have a an off season of of disarray. I think this, this next transfer win is going to be huge for them. But ultimately, like, like you went out and got Gigi Buffon because you thought you weren't good enough in net. And, and Buffon, for as much as I love the guy, he was not the greatest. He had some poor efforts in this Champions League. So I, I don't know. I, I just feel like they're... Floppy and they're, flappy. Yep. They're just, uh, they're just kind of lost. They're lost at this point. Um, let's knock another one out of here. Uh, we already talked about Serie A. <laughs> we talked about the fact that Juve... Um, is so far ahead at this point. Um, Napoli, who were a, a pretty darn good competition for them for most of the season, uh, are behind by 18 points. The Ronaldo effect is real, and uh, the Serie A season is over. They're going to win yet another Scudetto, and, and it is what it is. I quoted the Ronaldo goal total for Juventus in the Champions League. He has eight. That's pretty good. He has 19 goals for Juventus. <laughs> It's bonkers. <laughs> Which is crazy because, as I pointed out to you before we came on, on the air here, you know, the goals don't fly in in Serie A the way they fly in in the Prem and they fly in in La Liga even. Um, there's a lot of that uh, Cadenaccio still going on in Italy, and there's still a lot of closing down. And um, it, it shouldn't be this easy for him to score all these goals. But as we pointed out, he's a half step, maybe three quarters step better than most of those guys, and he still knows where to go. And until he slows down even more perceptibly, 
or gets to the point where he just can't play 30-plus matches a year anymore, this is what he's going to keep doing in that league. Yep. Yep, yep. I'm giving it up to him. It pains me because I, I took some shots at him in previous shows. But well, he's terrific. You're allowed um, to You're allowed to admit that you made a mistake. Everything he's done this season has stuffed it right up my nose, and I'm certainly willing to say so. Well, you know, you make more mistakes than I do, but it's okay to admit that they were uh, that they still happen. Um, let's take a look really quick, because um, I know I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on EPL. Am I correct? I do. Uh, let's knock out La Liga really quick, because um, I, I think we've we've talked about that a lot. Um, but the the simple fact is Barcelona is going to win this league. Really, there could be some jockeying between the two Madrid teams. Um, Atleti only sits five points ahead of Real, and it's not like it's really going to make that much of a difference. I, neither of these teams, I think, are really in any kind of jeopardy of missing the Champions League next year. So, not uh, at all. It, it really just comes down to you know, do you care to see if if Real is able to put together some kind of a comeback and go for that second spot in the table? But Barca would have to have an epic collapse of of unprecedented proportions to lose this uh, this league. So it's just not going to happen. And you know, kudos to those guys. I mean, they, they have overcome massive injury concerns this season, and they've been able to utilize their depth and, and have a, a solid integration of younger players. And here they are, man. Like, they, this is this is what it's like when you are a, a world powerhouse and you replace good players with other good players, uh, unlike Real. So um, La Liga's over. But the, uh, the one free kick that um, Messi had a few days ago where he bent it around the wall and went upper 90 and, and pinged the inside of the bar. That was a thing of beauty. That's what Ronaldo used to look like right. in his Manchester United days and even his early Real Madrid days. Those days are very, very far gone. But And Messi's doing it, what is he, like 32? Yep. It's ridiculous. And it was obviously intentional. And as, again, we discussed earlier, it's like watching a damn FIFA match on your PlayStation, except in real time in three dimensions. Like that's the sort of goal that you score in a video game where it pings in off the inside of the post because the game creators set it up that way because it's more exciting. But it doesn't really happen in life very often, especially off a free kick with a wall defending and a keeper setting the damn wall and knowing where the ball's going. Man, you could have had another two or three defenders and another goalkeeper out there. He probably still would have scored that goal. It was stupid. The other point I wanted to make real fast about La Liga before we get off it is, you know, there's numbers, there's uh, statistics. They often say uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics. I'm looking at the La Liga table, especially at the top, and the number that jumps out at me is nine. Real Madrid have lost nine league matches out of 30. Yep. Nine. That's, I think, 30%. 30% of their league matches they have lost, not drawn, not failed to win 4-1, flat out damn lost. Wow. No wonder they're in third place in the Liga. They better get it fixed. This is not okay. I agree. The way that, the way that you ended that up made me think that there was something else coming. Um, do you want to go Bundesliga or do you want to go EPL? Let's go EPL because I think yeah, the, the Bundesliga has a good matchup coming up this weekend. So let's go it EPL. It does. It really does. So as I said, greatest league in the world. You have a two-horse race at the top of the league title, and the two horses going are uh, you know, basically Secretariat and uh, any of the other greatest horses you've ever seen run in thoroughbred racing. Uh, Man City, as of this recording, uh, are one point clear, although they also have a a plus nine goal difference compared to Liverpool's. So that's sort of in their back pocket if there's another tie at the top the way City had the tie at the top uh, the first time they won the league in this era of titles that they put together. Um, But City still have to go to United. 
which I pointed out to you uh, before we got on here, brings up a really interesting conundrum and question for United supporters. So City are going to United, and United don't have a chance to win the title this year under any circumstances. Only City and Liverpool have a chance. And the narrative for American world football fans is that City and United hate each other because they're in the same city, and um, you know Manchester is half blue and half red, and so there's all this tension. And a lot of it's true, obviously. Uh, but the real story that underlies this situation is that until about 10, 11 years ago, when all the oil money got poured into City, Man City was thought of as a piss-poor joke by United supporters uh, because City were constantly yo-yoing between the top flight and the second league, and they, they went all the way down to the third league at one point. Um, so United looked at, literally, they were the noisy neighbors, but they were like the undesirable, unclean, and terrible noisy neighbors. Uh, only recently have City been able to first catch and then pass United. So United doesn't like City very much. But the point of this story is United hates, hates Liverpool, proper hates Liverpool. So when City go to United to play this derby in a few weeks, that is going to have a real tell on what happens at the top of the league table. As a United supporter, there's really no good outcome here. If City wins, that sucks. Uh, and if United wins and Liverpool benefits ends up winning the league title, that sucks too. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I hope that the American media seizes on that narrative and doesn't just jam down our throats the fact that it's just United and City that hate each other because there's a lot more to it. You know, Liverpool and United, before the Premier League was even uh, underway, uh, were battling for the top flight title in England for a long time. And then, of course, United won all those Premier League titles at the outset of the Premier League because they kind of jerry-rigged the league in their favor. Uh, but that's another story for another day. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting derby. And I am happy about the fact that all of my United supporting friends, including my young son, uh, will have to deal with the fact that no matter who wins that match, they'll be unhappy at some level. I agree. Um, I'm I'm just trying to think. Like this season in the EPL has been the the kind of thing that I think we've long hoped it would be. Correct. When, when you've got really coming down to the final few weeks, you've got two teams separated by a point, and they're two stud squads. I mean, I know that there have been times in the past where you've had one team kind of get to be a runaway and then you're seeing about who's going to jockey for second, maybe third. And no one cares about that. It, and yeah, it, and that ultimately doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it, yeah, okay, sure, you're jockeying for Champions League positioning, but like this is a legitimate race. This is two, these are two very good clubs led by two world-class managers. And to boot, the fact that they're both still in the Champions League, like that adds a whole other round of intrigue to this entire thing. And Liverpool knocked City out of the Champions League last year. Yep, and so it's it's just... This is what the EPL is supposed to be. This is the kind of moment, this is the kind of uh, set of results that we are supposed to see for a league that proclaims itself to be the best in the world. It has been a bad look for the last few years to see English teams get knocked out of the Champions League so early. And I know that I put a ton of, of focus on the Champions League. I put a lot of, of stock in how a team's season, or like how, how much a team's season really meant or how successful it was by the Champions League. But to be frank, Having, like, one English team in the final eight doesn't really do it, you know? But having half of the field be English teams, now that, that's something something totally different. Um, it's, a, it's a different proposition entirely. So I look at this You're now. You're guaranteed one in the final four because yep. City and Tottenham are playing. Yep. And so, I, 
I, I don't know. I look at this and I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see how this will how this will play out. You've got load management essentially, right? Like you have to figure out a way to juggle. Excuse your, me. Load management. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to take the MBA term and use it here. But like honestly, you've got to start family to show. Out how are you going to manage your your players' health and their conditioning and and the physical toll that this season takes on their bodies? How are you going to weigh the importance of a league game versus a Champions League game? And both managers have to face those questions. That's why this is going to be so intriguing. This isn't well, just we... this isn't just one team is able to focus entirely on just the EPL. No, 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 no. You have to have your eye on both prizes. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's why we mentioned earlier that, uh, and I said earlier, that City played two of the worst teams in the Premier League in the last four days. Matches that they should have easily hung five, six, seven goals on these teams. They posted two very bland, very uninteresting, very hard watch uh, type matches. Two nil. Bang, bang. Both times. You know why? Because they got at the second goal and the other team tapped out. And so they didn't need a third goal or a fourth goal or fifth goal. They just wanted to get the hell off the field in one piece. And that is a form of load management. When you play a half of competitive football against a team that isn't playing back at you and you just ping the ball around your half and you occasionally make a foray into their half and you hold the ball up and you threaten them that you might score and then you run it back to your midfield and then back to your defender and back to your keeper and out again. And that goes on for 45 minutes. That is a form of load management. You're not exerting yourself and you're never under serious threat. So that's what City was doing in the last, you know, 72 hours and uh, 96 hours, much to my chagrin because in my picks column, I picked them to win today and score four goals, which they did not do. Womp womp. Unlucky. Phil's picks. Very sad. Sometimes successful. More successful recently. Yes, kind of uh, three out of five winning weeks, although today is uh, a day that we're living in for me and not in a good way. Mm. Mm-hmm. What else do you want to talk about in the EPL? Uh, the fact that, as you pointed out, not only do we have two thoroughbred horses running down the stretch to see who's going to take the ultimate prize in the league, you know, they, there are four Champions League uh, spots every year up for grabs. You have four teams vying for the third and fourth spots. Uh, right now, as, as we record, Spurs are on 64 points. Arsenal is 63. They have a game in hand, which means if they win their next match, they will launch ahead of our, uh, launch ahead of Tottenham, which will make them very, very happy. Chelsea is 63. And United, even though they lost to Wolves uh, recently, which really hurt them, United still is 61 points, and they still have a, a shout here. Think of that. Those are your big six within the league. You have City Liverpool at 1-2, and then you have Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea United. All is back right with the world. And as you pointed out, they have poised it in such a way that there are essentially two quasi-dramatic races going on here. The two teams fighting for one trophy at the top, and then the four teams fighting for two spots in the Champions League going forward. Now, I agree with you that the Champions League race for the third and fourth place is never as exciting as the media wants you to think it is. And I'll tell you why. I mean, Chelsea in recent years have had to go through the Europa League playing. They're doing it now. Arsenal's doing it now. United has done it in recent years. These clubs don't go out of Champions League places and then struggle through Europa League and then end up being like 10th. That's not going to happen. There's too much money. There's too much history. There's too much pride. And and there's too much cachet in signing for those clubs. I mean, not probably not in our lifetimes are those clubs going to fall out of at least the top six or top seven. So when you have those elite clubs and historically great clubs all in these positions where every match still matters to them, at least for the next few weeks, 
nothing but good can come from that because you're going to see the best from them. Yep. It is going to be a fascinating end of the season. So at least we got one good league to give us one good finish. That's pretty much all we have. Well, there's that. And one and other league, Phil. Are you ready to me. move on? Hit me to with the, it. To what some had considered going into uh, this season. One of the best top-to-bottom leagues in all of European football. And that, of course, is the Bundesliga. And uh, what better race can you have than Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich? Bayern München, if you prefer. Um, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting weekend, Phil. You've got a Klassiker on Saturday uh, at the Allianz Arena as uh, Dortmund go into Bayern um, with a uh, with a, a very narrow lead over their um, their hated rivals. And this is what soccer is supposed to be all about. Neither team is in the Champions League. It all really does come down to this. I mean, when you have uh, the chance to go up against the other team at the top of the table with everything on the line, it is uh, it is and should be a fascinating uh, matchup this weekend. It's less fascinating to me, to be honest with you, because I'm not sure Pulisic is going to feature or matter. Um, this has not been a season he'll want to remember between injury and, frankly, being outshined uh, by a lot of his bigger named and uh, – I hate to say it, more experienced teammates. Um, so every time I hear Dortmund, I, I, hear, I think Pulisic, and it hasn't been that kind of season. Uh, you have to be uh, really into Paco Alcacer and Marco Royce uh, to be behind Dortmund these days. Um, we talked about this back in December, and I think Dortmund's lead in the league was something like seven or eight points. And I said, here we go again, because this is Bayern. They just let these teams tucker themselves out. They let them get a little lead. They make them feel very comfortable with themselves. And then, like uh, Andy Dufresne chipping away at the wall with his little tack hammer, uh, you know, stones erode and, and time and pressure kill everything. And by the end of the season, Bayern wins the title. And I don't know if it's going to happen again this year, but Lord knows Bayern, Bayern have absolutely positioned themselves to have it happen again this year uh, because, yeah, um, if they win this weekend and they host Dortmund on Saturday, they win, they go top. And if they go top in April, do you really trust Dortmund to track them down again? I really don't. I'm pretty sure that, uh, that Kovac, the manager of, uh, of Bayern was, uh, was heard being quoted going into this, uh, matches saying, uh, get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> Perfect. So there you go. Uh, it, it is going to be. People will it's, think that I set you up for the Morgan Freeman. I didn't. No, I was just here for it. I was ready. I was ready and waiting. Um, no, but you're right. Like, Byron does like to do this thing. It, it's almost like they're a, uh, they're almost like a, like a, a leopard, a cheetah, something. They're like stalking a gazelle. And they yep. let these gazelles graze in the field and believe that they're going to get fattened up and everybody's going to be happy. And, oh boy, I'm finally, finally going to survive in this, uh, this African landscape. And, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Byron comes in when you least expect it, and they put on the full press, and they rip your heart out and your trachea out. And that's and what it happens every year is the yep. thing. It's the same uh, you know, beast of prey preying on the same dumb, uh, naive, young animal year after year after year, and they just keep doing it. If uh, Christian Pulisic is looking for, uh, for something to hang his hat on, at least he won't have to get attacked by Bayern next year. Because he's going to be rotting in Chelsea. 
was about to say it's a very good point. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in a Chelsea shirt, but no, you're not. Who, who am I I'm kidding? Not. Why? Why would anybody look forward to that? Well, not just that. He probably won't be in a Chelsea shirt. He'll probably be on loan to Roma or on loan to uh, somewhere in France because uh, that's what Chelsea does. They take these American players and they bury them. They actually take players from all over the world and sign them in big numbers, and then they bury them, and yep. they're not seen again. So I, I didn't think that was a good. I very much am looking forward previously. to uh, Christian Pulisic next year playing for Kievo in uh, Serie A. Or Seri Bay. So uh, that'll be fun. Let's not rule it out. Yep. Anything else you want to hit there, my friend? Oh, we, we, have, to un- do- we have to... Union Minute. Union Minute. <laughs> <laughs> I think this should be a new segment. Union Minute. Now, we can't do anything. Um, we can't finish any subject in, in 60 seconds because we both like to talk. Uh, but the point is, uh, until your beloved Philadelphia Union... Uh, and uh, their mascot was it Fang? Fang. Uh, until they sort Fang things the out. salamander. They it's say he's a take... snake, but snakes don't have appendages like exactly. arms and legs. So uh... here's here's a, a fascinating thing um, that I saw. Okay, so they got off to a dreadful start, as you know. Yes. They lost their first two matches. Yes. It looked like more of the same. They were headed to Atlanta, and you figured, well, Atlanta, reigning champions, are going to you know drill holes in them and send them home, but uh. uh, you know murdered. But yeah, you, you, uh, for a reason, you're exactly right. It's not the same Atlanta United team um, with the loss of Almiron to Newcastle United, which was a hell of a, a feather in MLS's cap. And also Tata Martino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. They're not managed by the same guy, and they lost one of their major difference makers. Uh, and so it's not the same club. And uh, sure enough, Union went down there, got a draw, and they haven't been beaten in the league since. Now, this is the part that I find beyond remarkable. Uh, who is your leading scorer for your Philadelphia Union? Do you know? I don't know. Is it Aaron? It's, it's not David Akam. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's David Akam. David Akam. Back from the dead. Million-dollar transfer signing. A uh, guy that, with you know, they made a big deal out of introducing as, look what we've done. We've spent real money on real talent. Here he comes. And then I think he had like a sports hernia or some nonsense last season. I'm not, I feel bad for the guy. He got hurt. Injuries, you know, you can't help those things. But he was an enormous disappointment. At some level, if Akam is healthy... And if he can, I'm not saying he's going to score. He's like he's played four matches and scored three times. That's not going to continue to happen. But even if he puts up like 16 goals this season or 18 goals, it's like a new signing. It is compared to and added to the other guys they brought on. So there may be some reason for cautious optimism. You always have to be cautious with the union because you just don't know what's going to happen. There's always misery around the turn. Um, but. Yeah, if a comp can continue to produce at even a mid to better than mid level, that's a major impact for a club that needs all the goals it can get. Phil, are you a Game of Thrones fan? Never watched five oh, minutes. Geez. There's enough oh. human misery and suffering in the oh. world on the news. I don't need to watch I'm gonna rapes, take it to the, murders, uh, pillages. I'm going to take it. it to the season five finale. John Snow. Sure, do it. John Snow getting betrayed by the Night's Watch. Spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> this is David Akam. David Akam ran down into the courtyard and had every one of his teammates plunge a sword deep into his heart. And then one young guy who he thought he was kind of mentoring came up and uh, gave him the, the final blow. And it was Fafa Ooh. Pico. I can just picture oh. Fafa, you don't have to do this. <laughs> Stabs him, right? <laughs> so it looks like David Akam is dead. And they put him on the table, and then who comes in but the Red Priest himself, Jim Curtin. He's yeah. got red hair. <laughs> red Priest, that's really good. And uh, Jim Curtin puts his hands 
played by David Rick Astley. He starts he starts praying to uh, to the the God of or the Lord of Light. I don't know who the Lord of Light's supposed to be in this situation because they play in Chester. I don't. I, I, there's not there's not really much of a, a shining be beacon. Is this going to be like Jay Sugarman? I don't think so. Anyway, he prays he prays and prays for the resurrection of David Akam, and Akam wakes up, and that's where we're at. We're in season six. And by the end of this, we have to get to the Battle of the Bastards. That's episode nine. So I don't know how this is going to play out, but I can tell you that uh, if David Akam is really Jon Snow, then that means we're going to have a very good season out of David Akam. And it's something where you're not going to have to temper expectations. This is going to be an exciting season all the way to the finish. Um, he looks like a guy who had a sports hernia last year who no longer has a sports hernia. That's what David Akam looks like. He no longer looks like a guy who can only go vertically, right? He doesn't look like a guy who can only run essentially a go route. He actually has lateral motion now. It's amazing what that can do if you're a, a forward on, on a, a MLS team. So it is nice to see him rebound like he has. Um, they have made tactical changes. They they started the season uh, rolling out a 4-4, or no, yeah, a 4-4-2. And then at some point they switched back to uh, Jim Curtin's uh, patented 4-2-3-1, which I still hate. Um, but they, they've they had a, a very young backline starting games. Um, I think Fafa is a lovely player in terms of his speed alone, not much of a finisher. If you're able to then go out and have you know guys like Akam and, and Pico on the flank or be able to put Akam up as one of two strikers in a, in a 4-4-2 system... I think you're going to start to find this team uh, has a lot going for it. Um, Santos, by the way, because I, I ended up going down and covered the uh, the opening day uh, Union game. Santos is a big dude. Now he's he's out with an injury. Uh, he got hurt in what, the second game of the season, I believe, maybe third. Um, I think he's still out for another two weeks. But Sergio Santos is a big dude. It's going to be really interesting to see when he comes back and when he's healthy. He's got a, quite a bit of speed to him, but like he's just a, a broad-shouldered dude. This this is a guy who's going to rough some people up, and the idea of of playing Santos and Akam together up top is something that I think could be really, really dynamic for this team. Let's hope so. Uh, and without trying to uh, undermine the Union's accomplishments at this point, because Lord knows I would never do such a thing as that, the two wins on the trot are the following clubs. Columbus, who I thought was out of the league, Weren't they out of the league? They're like, supposed to go to they Austin. Weren't they not coming back? What the hell happened? To... They, yeah, they were supposed to keep Austin weird, right? Go that save was, the crew. Happen. Save the crew, yeah. Well, the crew got saved, and then they came to Philadelphia and lost 3-0 on the 23rd. They sure did. And, and then, Blake wasn't even in net. Then this was the damnedest thing. Uh, they played like a USL team or something. Come FC on. Cincinnati? Come on, who, man. Who was Cincinnati? Yeah. Cinci- really? Cinci- Cincinnati yeah. they played. That's an MLS team yes. now? Yes. Wow. That was part of expansion. Come on. Omaha's got to be pissed. Omaha's got to be pissed if Cincinnati's got a club. Are you kidding? The good people of Des Moines need to be heard on this. (laughs) Cincinnati. I'm done. FC Cincinnati. I'm done. They stayed up all night figuring out how the. What are we going to name the club? They're coming to Ohio. FC Cincinnati has an exponentially larger fan base than the Union does. Well, of course it does. What else is there to do there? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Come on. That's true. Jesus Christ. Isn't that where Welcome Back Carter's from? Was that Cincinnati? (laughs) No, No, I'm sorry. WKY. No, no, no. I'm sorry. WKRP. Yeah, WKRP in Cincinnati. That's right. They were back-to-back shows on Nick at Night when I was a little kid. So uh, I know for you that was probably primetime appointment viewing. Absolutely. But for me, that was Nick at Night. So uh, sorry. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, Cincinnati. Not a lot else to do in Cincinnati. Yeah, they, they make chili without beans. It's a mess out there. Do they really? Like, I, oh yeah, yeah. That's a Cincinnati thing. Cincinnati chili. That's a thing. I don't like beans, so I'm I'm okay with that. Maybe Thanks, you should Cincinnati go. Chili. Maybe I should go Maybe there. You should go. I'd be one of uh, the only seven tourists to visit the fine city of Cincinnati outside of like a visiting fan of an NFL game. So that that must be fun. Yeah, I've had my fun at Cincinnati's expense. Also, the Union beat them two nil, so that's something. Um, I'm kind of looking on the Union schedule now, and like FC Dallas doesn't scare me. LA Galaxy doesn't scare me. What? The the impact. Okay. They can, they can compete in these matches. Okay. Now going to the LA question is, is going to be is is there going to be another ref who's going to just hate the fact that Marco Fabian is Mexican and rules something against him on the field? Um, look, the the fact that Marco Fabian has faced some of the uh, the awful officiating that he has, I I don't know what to say other than the fact that he's a Mexican international. I honestly don't know. I feel like some of the treatment that he's gotten on the pitch has been wildly unfair. Um, but we'll see the the thing that he ended up getting suspended for where he was accused of like coming down and like studying a guy right that was nonsense his feet got taken out from under him where are you supposed to land is he supposed well, to pull a somersault and like go with a, a sauntan bomb like jeff hardy like i don't know i don't know exactly what mls thought he was supposed to be able to do in that situation for sure officials always get themselves in trouble when they start trying to read minds yep they, they can barely call what they see much less look into your brain and your heart and try to you know discern what your intent was in a given moment especially as you point out when you're in midair and where the hell you're supposed to go yep that was unfair yep all right i think that's probably it yeah i'll do it here we go this has been a lot of fun it's good to be back <sighs> back in the saddle is it back in the saddle back on the saddle back in the saddle that's what again. i thought but like you don't get in the saddle you sit on the saddle you put your yeah, feet you in can't the you're on the saddle if you don't if you, if you don't get in it in the first place you don't get on it what Ask your, uh, never mind, I'm not going to say Okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks, as always, for uh, checking in with Crossing Broad FC, the uh, the only Philadelphia international football podcast. How about that? I'm just going to continue to build so on this only thing. This is my, uh, this is my new brand. Anyway, um, make sure you go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including uh, Crossing Broadcast with myself and Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Uh, we had a potpourri show. Again, we are uh, Philadelphia's only 7 for 7 podcast, sometimes 8 for 8. And uh, people have been dropping in uh, obscure Philadelphia sports teams. So we're going to continue to build on that number. Maybe next week will be the only 10 for 10 podcast in Philadelphia. And who knows? Um, crossed up with Bob Wankel, and, who you can find on Twitter at BW Crossing Broad, and Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find at Ant San Philly. They uh, did a, a really nice breakdown of the first four games of the Philly season. Uh, and then the Phillies went out today and uh, blew a game late after having a really nice comeback. Phil, I'm sure you enjoyed the uh, four hours of baseball that the Phillies continue to put out there on the field. Well, and it's great because we have another, what, 157 games worth of between three and a half and five hour baseball games to look forward to. I mean, I have nothing but time, so I can't wait. Uh, it's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with uh, Kevin Kincaid is going to be I think dropping a new episode this weekend, I think is what he said his uh, his initial hope had been. Um, so make sure you go check that one out. What else am I missing? Oh, of course, Snow the Goalie with myself and Anthony Sanfilippo at Ant San Philly. Uh, we have a very big guest coming up. So if you're a hockey fan, uh, you're going to want to tune into this episode. It's going to drop probably uh, Friday night or Saturday morning would be my guess. It is a massive guest, and it is somebody that you are going to want to listen to. If Even if you're not a hockey fan... It would still be good to listen to. If you have a friend or family member who is a hockey fan, make sure you tell them to go check out Snow the Goalie. And uh, 
I guarantee it will be worth the listen. So those are all the shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. And of course, Crossing Broad FC, we're here. Uh, we're alive. It's 2019. New year. Same us. Uh, for Phil, who you can find on Twitter, at Phil Kaidel. That's K-E-I-D-E-L. It's not hard to spell. It's Phil Kaidel. I'm Russ, at Joy Abroad. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. That's right, friends. Next week. We will not be taking three months off in between. We will be back next week or your money back. It's on.